Hi, everyone. This is Greg Harton. I'm the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And today I'm joined by Rusty Turner, who is our editor of the newspaper here in Northwest Arkansas. And we have the opportunity today to visit with State Senator Jim Hendren, who is running for re-election. He has served in the House back in the, uh, I think, 95 to 99, 2000 time frame, three terms, I think. And um, uh, and then came back uh, for more. And uh, in, uh, I'm not sure what year it was, but you, you moved to the state Senate uh, and uh, have served a couple of terms. Correct. Okay. And uh, asking for a new term uh, in the November 3rd general election. So um, you are running in District 2 in Benton County. You want to give people a general idea of what what that covers? Well, I'm the farthest uh, district from Little Rock, which is good and bad, I think. And I, the very northwest corner, we I'm here in Gravit, but we have most of Bella Vista, Asylum Springs, Decatur, Gentry, Prairie Grove. So it's like a big L around the uh, corner of the state uh, because as we grow, these Senate districts get smaller and Senator Hester's district in Bentonville was really pulled out of this old Senate district. So I'm more of the rural Northwest Benton County uh, corridor up here in the corner. Okay. Um, well, uh, you have been serving this term as the Senate president pro tem, but as I understand it, you, you uh, turn that over to Mr. Hickey in uh, January. And uh, I also want to mention to everybody that you've, uh, you've been serving in the national guard for, uh, a long time. I'm not sure exactly how long, but uh, you've uh, given a lot of service there. Um, so if you don't mind just starting off with just how um, kind of your take on the uh, the campaign and the reason for going for another term, uh, what is it that you want to try to do uh, for your district and for the state of Arkansas? Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, uh, to give me an opportunity to go through some of these things. So yeah, I, uh, as you said, I spent six years in the house and uh, took a 12 year break to watch my kids grow up. And um, Senator Bledsoe actually talked me into running again back in 2012. And the, and the reason I ran then was, and because I really had no desire. I, I'd done the legislative thing and I was busy with business and family. But uh, the opportunity to be part of the transition from the minority party to the majority party for the Republican Party was something that appealed to me because the entire time I was in the House, we really didn't have a lot of opportunity to have a huge impact because there were 13 out of 100 when I started and 24 out of 100 when I finished. So the ability to go down as part of the first majority party uh, did appeal to me. And uh, as I got to Little Rock, it began to dawn on me that we own this thing now. We we can't. We're not the opposition party anymore. If this thing runs in the ditch, it's going to be because the Republican Party did it. So my entire objective the last eight years has been to be responsible and show that Republican conservative business friendly leadership can work, and it does. It, it can avoid the extremes and it can uh, make Arkansas better. And that's a challenge. I will tell you that. Uh, uh, there's a big transition in mindset from the minority party to the majority party. So after my first two years, I was elected the majority leader and I spent four years. My first two years were with uh, Governor Beebe. So we had a Democrat governor working with the Republican legislature, which I had some experience to reverse a, Repo a Democrat legislature with Governor Huckabee with the Republican governor. So I had some experience in how these uh, 
cross-partisan uh, power sharing arrangements had to work. And we got along pretty well and we did some good things for Arkansas. I think that the, uh, we were able to pass tax cuts, we were able to find a path forward on Medicaid expansion, we were able to begin to do some things and show that uh, we could govern. And then of course, you know, in 2014, uh, Governor Hutchinson, who I know because he's my uncle, which is no secret, was elected and, that, and I became the majority leader. And then it became really personal to me that he not fail, the Republican Party not fail, and the Senate not fail. So I took over as the majority leader for four years, and I think we, we made some good progress working together uh, with the Republican majority in the Senate and Governor Hutchinson. Uh, we, we did middle-class tax cuts. We did low-income tax cuts this last session. We did high-income tax cuts. But we did them in a way that did not put our budget in peril. And a lot of that was because we were thoughtful. And so uh, uh, that's my uh, – we, we – we put a task force together, which I chaired on tax reform to determine what was the best path forward. We had legislators from Kansas come and basically confess to us how they screwed it up. And we had legislators from North Carolina come and explain to us things that worked for them because the story ended completely differently for those two states. So we tried to, and as you know, we've phased these things in gradually where our revenue has continued to increase while these rates have continued to drop. We have our last drop going down to 5.9 going into effect uh, January the 1st and it looks we're, we're in a surplus situation we're going to continue to be able to responsibly lower the rates which makes where Arkansas can be competitive so that was my philosophy and my objective was to make sure that Arkansas could govern responsibly and not crazy and sometimes there's some real tension there and so again as I was elected pro tem two years ago I think you all are well aware the Senate had and, and the entire legislature and even some in the executive branch, we, we've been uh, overcome with corruption, members getting arrested, getting indicted, uh, having to resign. Uh, and my objective was to clean it up. And so we started off two years ago, creating the Senate Ethics Committee, strengthening our rules, passing new laws, giving the Ethics Commission hundreds of thousands of dollars more money so they could hire more people to keep up. Uh, live streaming the proceedings, which the Senate had never done before, to try to put sunshine on the situation down there, uh, and it's and it's helped. We've we've not had any more, and I hope we continue not to have any more of that uh, type of misbehavior because it makes doing your job so difficult when uh, it reinforces the stereotype that uh, we're all corrupt and politicians are are uh, not doing right. So. That was, that was one of my highest priorities the last two years as pro tem. So while I'm going back down again or asking for another term, this would be my, uh, this is a two-year term uh, that, I, that I'm running for now because we're all up after redistricting in 2022. And so I guess I feel like there's still some work to be done. I, I, I think uh, I've never been a big fan of term limits because I think it's uh, one of the few professions that we say, I want somebody not too experienced. I mean, I always feel better when I get on an airliner and I see the guy in the cockpit has some gray hair and I know he's got several thousand hours versus the kid just out of flight school. So, but in politics, I would, when I was in, in the nineties, I saw the quality of the legislature that we had with people who'd been in there. I, I co-sponsored a bill with Charlie Stewart from Springdale, a Democrat who'd been in the house for 45 years and I was about 40 years old. And the opportunity to serve with somebody with that much experience was real valuable to me. Um, and I, I, and I feel like I'm probably more effective, far more effective now serving my constituents after eight years in the Senate than I was my first two years. So I don't want to put 
I feel like I almost owe it to my district to continue to continue to serve uh, when I have the ability. So that's it, and and hopefully uh, uh, the voters will give me another chance. But uh, if not, I got plenty to do here too. <laughs> so the um, are are there any particular issues to your district, or do you just feel like it's it's more of um, that that you want them to elect a, a conservative voice that that they can just trust to go down there and take care of business. Well, I'll tell you, there's some issues that are important to me now. In fact, as I said, I was watching some debate today about uh, um, what we do with benefits towards retirees, and it's an important issue that affects a lot of people. But one of the things that, uh, while I am a conservative, I feel like it's important to also be a problem solver and reasonable. And one of the biggest challenges that I think anyone who lives in Northwest Arkansas know is, knows is that we're growing so fast that if we don't stay ahead with roads, it's going to strangle the growth down here. And uh, we used to travel and still travel to Branson quite a lot. And we all saw what happened when they did not keep up with roads and infrastructure. It was a nightmare to get from one side of town to other. We've got a huge issue on the ballot this fall. Uh, you know, a lot of legislators like myself didn't really like having to vote for a gas and diesel tax to put in for the maintenance, but that was the only way we were gonna get the support to put the half cent referred, which is the, the huge item to fund roads uh, for, our, for our state on the ballot. So we did what we felt like we had to do, which was uh, uh, give more revenue to the road department through the gas taxes and diesel taxes, which because, again, because automobiles have gotten so much more fuel efficient, it keeps the tax burden relatively the same while road costs continue to increase. I am very concerned that uh, we continue to elect legislators who will go to Little Rock and solve problems like that rather than take a simplistic view of we're just going to cut spending and make things work out. Uh, I mean, an example of the hard spending cut decisions that are being made is what I was just watching. There's a debate about changing the prescription drug program for retired state employees, and it's very controversial. And what's Amazing to me is some of the same folks who say we shouldn't raise gas or diesel taxes because we should cut spending are now arguing against cutting spending. So th those are the decisions that we have to face. And, and we, uh, I think failure on this roads program uh, would be devastating for Northwest Arkansas. You, um, it, it, it's kind of interesting and correct me if my analysis is wrong, but the, um, you don't often or you don't always just find yourself uh, up against people of the Democratic Party. Uh, sometimes within your own party, you're you're dealing with and it, it probably depends on the issue. But but there have been times when you've been very vocal about um, an issue that that uh, some of the other members of your own party are are for or against and you take the other position. How, how do you how do you handle that? Because party's not the most important issue for me. Uh, with you know, I, I'm 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 a believer in most of the Republican Party principles. It's the one that most aligns with my uh, convictions. But I'm not a slave to the Republican Party or their or their dictates or the polling or the or even the primary process. And you're right. Uh, the 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 far right has not been happy with some of my leadership and some of the decisions that I've made. And I have called them out when I think that they're being untruthful. And uh, the fact is we have a lot of untruth in politics. I've been calling out the last couple of days on Twitter, some of the mail pieces that are going out against candidates of both parties are just flat despicable because they're just not truthful. And uh, I just don't, I, politics is, 
I, I, I just can't do that. But yeah, I, but I, I've tried to work bipartisan. One of the things that I, last session, Senator Ingram, who's the minority leader, he and I have sponsored, I was the majority leader and he was the minority leader. And even as the pro tem, we sponsored legislation together. We sponsored a bill to increase state police pay because we were just getting destroyed in state police being hired by Little Rock and by out of state because the pay was hadn't been increased a significant amount in 20 years. We both saw the problem and we knew we could fix it in a bipartisan way. I, you probably are aware I'm sponsoring hate crimes in a bi with a bipartisan with uh, Representative Fred Love of the Democratic Party, a House member. And I've got tremendous bipartisan support from the Democrats and I've got some real resistance, some in my own party on, on hate crimes. And that's okay. I mean, that's part of the political process. I, uh, I think uh, I don't. I would argue that I have not moved as much as as my party's grown. It has tilted more to the right. I was I was here with the Republican Party in the '90s when Governor Hutchinson was then chairman of the party, building this party. Uh, I don't think that I've moved too much from my conservative yet reasonable positions. But we've got a large contingent now. Social media has amplified that to where that uh, I, I don't think necessarily they all would fit into what we Ronald Reagan and and the Arkansas Republican Party of 20 years ago would, would say is uh, where we are. Senator, I wanna, I wanna circle back to the highway discussion for just a second. Uh, obviously issue one's on the ballot and you, you just voiced your support for it. There has been some criticism and I'm sure you've heard it uh, that, that it's a little bit of a bait and switch, that the, the tax was initially passed as a temporary tax, tax that was gonna sunset in 10 years and, and could be renewed uh, and, and this proposal would make that tax permanent uh, or make it you know, part of the Constitution until, until the Constitution is amended again. So what, what, what's your response to that criticism that it, that it was one thing and now it's going to be something else? It was sold initially as one thing and now it's going to be something else. I mean, here's the thing. It's not going to be anything else unless the voters decide to. So it's not like we went down there and changed something that the voters had approved. Just as the voters approve this thing to sunset in 10 years, it's going to sunset in 10 years, unless the voters choose to do something differently. And there's no surprise that, believe me, the opponents are going to spend dollars, and it's no mystery that we're changing the way it's no longer going to be another. We're not asking for another 10-year extension. Uh, we're saying this is working, but there's some value to making it permanent. And one of the points that is often overlooked in this is because we're doing that, because we're going to make it permanent, it's going to save 30%, maybe more, in bonding costs. So unlike before, where you could not you could not do a pay-as-you-go because you knew that this revenue source was going to disappear in eight or nine or ten years, and you were forced to sell bonds at that period of time, now think about that. For every mile of road we build, we're going to get an extra quarter mile to a third of a mile because of this change in methodology. Uh, so I don't accept the bait and switch. It'd be one thing if we were trying to do this legislatively and change an amended act or change it after the voters had approved it. But believe me, the voters have got a choice in this. If they want it to go away as it was promised it would go away, all they have to do is not approve this new measure. And uh, so I don't think that's going to be the case because, again, I think when you look at what's going to happen to Benton County and Washington County with the the revenue stream that is has flowed the last 10 years and either will continue or will not decide it depending on what the voters decide i think most voters are going to say yeah uh if if we saw rampant fraud if we saw no change in our highways over the last 10 years and all we had from that 
was an increase in our sales tax, they'd probably disapprove that. But I don't think that's what voters see. I think when they drive on the new 540 bypass out here in Bella Vista, they go, that's, I don't mind my tax dollars going to something like that. And I'm, I'm even comfortable with making it permanent, just as we've done for Education Excellence Trust Fund, just as we've done for Game Fish. This is not unprecedented territory. And from a business perspective, if I can do pay as you go and save, spend 30% on bonding costs versus asphalt, that's good business. You mentioned the uh, hate crime legislation that you introduced uh, sometime in the last month or two. Um, the, uh, that'll come up in, in the session that begins in January. Um, and, and that appears to be a response to some extent, um, uh, even though Arkansas is definitely behind the curve a little bit on hate crime legislation. Uh, it certainly seems to be a bit of a response to the experience of the nation over the, over the summer. Uh, what kind of ideas do you would carry in the office as far as the question of law enforcement and race relations and, and how we deal with the issues that we've seen uh, unfold over the last several months, uh, sometimes with violence, and, but certainly with a great deal of concern uh, from uh, a large swath of the population? Well, this isn't, uh, this isn't something new for me. Senator Elliott, uh, again, an African-American Democrat, Senator from Little Rock and I proposed two years ago, after some of the other racial uh, upheavals that we had, that the legislature establish a race relations task force, a bipartisan task force made up of a diverse group to figure out what solutions there are in the long term to start giving us some clarity on how we can solve this problem. We were we didn't even get close to passing that in the legislature, which was disappointing to, to both her and me. Um, but let me just speak about the hate crimes a little bit. It's not really, you know, this is something the governor's been talking about for a long time. And I will tell you, this is something my position has evolved on since I was in the house in the nineties. Um, and it was interesting. I heard William Barr, the attorney general, even saying 20 years ago, he was opposed to hate crimes and now he supports it. I think that's one thing that we always have to be open to is maybe I was not right 20 years ago. Maybe I'm not right today. But as I look at hate crimes, and here's specifically as I look at it, there's two reasons that I think it's important for Arkansas. And it will be either addressed in January or we have a special session before that. Uh, we have a bill, we have a draft that uh, has broad support from the coalition most impacted by this. But there's two reasons. One is, and I think the most important one is the moral reason, is that to me, um, we as a state need to make it clear that when you, you allow your hate to get to the point where you can commit a criminal offense, we view that as especially egregious and we enhance it. Just like I passed legislation that said, if you intentionally target a police officer because he's a police officer, we're gonna enhance the penalty that you're subject to under that criminal act. We've, we passed that, that's the law. I see similar, I see parallels in this methodology that if you go out and int intentionally target somebody because of their race or their gender or their sexual orientation or many of the other categories that we have listed, if that is the motivating factor and we can prove that without a, with, with no doubt, uh, then we as a society are going to say that's especially egregious and will have an enhanced penalty. So uh, I think I can make strong arguments on the, as a society, it's a message that we need to send. We enhance penalties 
just like we enhance the penalty for premeditated murder versus a crime of passion, second or third degree murder. If we can prove that somebody intentionally and premeditated did something, it's a much harsher sentence, which is what they were thinking and their state of mind than if they got upset because of the results of a football game and accidentally killed somebody. So we do this in other areas of law all the time. 47 other states have done this. Uh, unfortunately, in this, in this debate, I spend most of my time explaining to people what the bill does not do. It doesn't commit any new crimes. All it does is enhance criminal acts. So as long as you're not gonna commit a criminal act, this is gonna have zero impact on you. But if you violate the criminal code, you could be in subject to a 20% enhancement. There's no arresting you for what you think or what you say, and despite what people will, will say out there. We also create a penalty for false accusations of a hate crime, which is not a crime right now, to make sure that it's not abused. And we've learned a lot of these lessons from how other states have done it. So I, I think there's a strong case of the, as a, us as a state saying, we view crimes based on these categories as something worthy of enhancement. But to me, there's just as important for, particularly for Northwest Arkansas, is an economic reason. Um, right now, uh, there's two states, South Carolina and uh, Wyoming, and, and then us, who have not got hate crimes. South Carolina is working on it. Two Republican states, Georgia and Utah, just passed it. Republican legislature, Republican governors. Uh, I assure you that within the next two to four years, somebody's going to be last. And the person, the state that is last and known as the only state in the country without hate crimes provision, good luck recruiting people to come work in your industry. Think about the pressure that's going to be brought to bear on our Fortune 500 companies that are in Arkansas when it becomes clear that they're located in the only state in the country without a hate crimes. Uh, I've already heard from them that they are already having issues recruiting talented people because this is an impact that recruit, this is a factor that recruiters look at. Not only will we not be the first item on the agenda of any discussion about a business locating in Arkansas or Texas or Tennessee or Missouri, tax code's fine, workforce education services are fine, but I promise you the other states are going to throw up. I've seen these negotiations. I've talked to Mike Preston at ADC. Is this the other states? This is the only state that doesn't protect people with hate crimes. And the discussion's going to be over for most companies coming to Arkansas at that point. We cannot afford to be known as the hate state or the only state in the country that has not bothered or does not think it's important to send a message that we're not going to tolerate racism or, or chauvinism or bigotry or, or when that allowing those things to escalate into criminal acts. So for those two reasons, I think it's important. And again, it's an example of a bipartisan effort. And I think it's an example of something that I want. That's part of the reason that I got to go back for two more years and get some of these things done. Senator, before we get, uh, we haven't talked about it yet, and but it's the 800-pound gorilla in the room, uh, COVID-19 and and the 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 condition of the state, both economically and 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 health-wise. Talk a little bit about how you think the state has responded and what the state needs to be doing uh, in response to to the ongoing pandemic. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen an issue with such a passionate, diverse opinion about how things are going. I mean, some people are absolutely enraged that there are any restrictions at all, and other people are enraged that we don't have a shelter in place still in effect. This, it really is unprecedented for regard, with regard to the feedback that I get from people in the district. So I'm going to give you my opinion. 
I feel like the governor's handled it about right. Our, our economy has survived better than the national average, better than most of the surrounding states. We're very fortunate that we've taken some steps over the last four years to shore up our unemployment insurance trust fund. I saw where Louisiana is already out of theirs and having to borrow money to pick their unemployment insurance payments. We're still at $600 million. So uh, we were in a good shape with reserves and with, uh, with, with our unemployment insurance trust fund. Uh, I'm glad we never did a complete shelter in place. I think that the, the value of that versus the restrictions, I, I do support the mask mandate. I do support the restrictions that we have right now. I'm adamantly opposed to this lawsuit that some of my colleagues are bringing to basically uh, in the state of emergency and in the governor's authority to have restrictions that would that would absolutely uh, again kind of like being the only state without a hate crime it would be we would then be the only state without a state of emergency and these regulations and restrictions into place it's a balance I think the governor's found a pretty good balance uh, you know most businesses have found ways to adapt we're trying to help those that have been so harshly impacted we, we we're going to approve the next couple of weeks 50 million dollars for the hospitality industry out of the cares money because they've taken it on the chin the hotels have really the entertainment and uh, traveling uh, bureaus they've taken it they've taken a hard shot through this so we're trying to help them survive we don't want to see that industry go away so I guess what I would say in general is I think that we're navigating it pretty well uh you know i would i would like to see the case numbers i was hoping by now we would be down back in the three or four hundred per day case levels um, it makes me uh you know people say well clearly some people will argue well the mass mandate's not working because we're still having 800 or a thousand cases a day and i just don't think the science supports that i think we would be probably twice as bad as we are had we not done those things so I, uh, I do think that probably there will be an effort to give some more legislative oversight. And I've been talking with the governor about some legislation that might potentially say, if a state of emergency lasts more than six months, then give the legislative some review authority over executive orders at that point, if it's possible. So we're talking about some ways to, to not just make this an ongoing um, monarchy. And I think we'll get there. So again, I, I feel like there's always things you look back and you could probably do better. And that's probably something we need to do after this is over is do a lessons learned and how can we improve next time? But I think for the most part, Arkansas is surviving it pretty well. Um, we just have a few minutes left. I wanted to touch base on just a few other issues that, uh, that might come up. Um, the uh, permanent moratorium on large and medium sized hog farms in the Buffalo national river, uh, that, uh, that ran into a bit of a buzzsaw, I think, uh, down in Little Rock. And um, where where does that stand, and and where do you feel like it needs to go? I mean, that's a tough one. It really is because that's the uh, the conflict that we find ourselves. I'm, I've always been an adamant defender of property rights. Uh, that if the government takes something from you, they have to compensate you from that. Uh, that's what the Constitution says. That's what you know fairness would would dictate. Uh, on the, on the moratorium, I, I feel like one of two things is going to happen again is if we're going to have that moratorium, then those of us, the, the government, the people who decide that's going to be the case, there needs to be some assessment of is there some way that you can quantify what amount that has reduced that property's value to a potential property owner and then pay them for it. I mean, it's, uh, we had this debate when they built uh, 49 uh, down from Fayetteville to Bentonville and they put the greens, green overlay there so you couldn't build stuff on people's property three or 400 feet back from the highway. 
that's fine. And I, I don't have problems with issues like that. So long as we find a way to compensate the property owners, if, if I, if the average return on that because of the ability to put billboards or to build facilities or whatever would have been X dollars per acre, then compensate them for that. So again, I, I hope we find a path forward that satisfies the agricultural industry and the, the farm bureau and everybody else. But I also, uh, there is no question we cannot allow the Buffalo River and that watershed to be contaminated and to lose what generates millions of dollars a year in tourism for Arkansas. So like everything else, I think there needs to be a balance. I, I, I don't necessarily oppose a moratorium, but that moratorium needs to be compensated with some mm -hmm. objective way to take care of the landowners who are affected by that. Um, so how many terms do you want to serve? I don't know. I mean, uh, the way the Senate term limits rules work now, this two-year term that I'm running for doesn't count, which I don't understand the logic in that. Uh, and then, so I could run potentially one, and then if I drew a two-year term, that term wouldn't count. So I could serve a little bit longer if I want to. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't thought that far ahead. I, I'm really right now thinking about as far ahead as February or March, getting legislation that's important to me through the session because this could be my last general assembly and I need to try not to leave anything on the field. Uh, this has to do with uh, race relations to some extent. There have been some calls to redesign the state flag um, because of that Confederate star uh, at the top of it. Uh, do you feel that that's going to be an issue um, uh, coming up in the legislature and, and how would you uh, tackle that? You know, I'm proud of the way Bentonville handled the Confederate statute on the square. I was at dinner there a couple of nights ago and I told my wife, I said, this is the way it's supposed to happen, not with people tearing it down and, and people getting hurt. Reasonable people sitting down and finding a solution to where where is a more fitting place for that statue where it doesn't offend people or they're not forced, it's not set there in a position of overbearing people who it, it's offensive to. I hope we can do something similar to that to the way the flag is, and that is come to an agreement about uh, is there a way, I, I will tell you, I, mean, I don't know whether it's something I should confess or not, I had no idea what those three stars meant until this fight started in the General Assembly. I didn't learn it from school, and now maybe I didn't, I just forgot it. And I think most Arkansans are probably, told them, ask them, tell me what the three stars symbolize, they're not going to be shocked, they're not going to, you won't get an overwhelmingly A plus on that quiz. So I think that there's probably probably the ideal way would be is let's figure out things that we can say those stars symbolize that are more unifying to get uh, of us than than uh, dividing. Uh, I don't because again it doesn't that to me is a preferable path than the drama that comes from ripping a star off or changing the flag or, or doing something else. Uh, I don't think our flag is so. It's not like the Mississippi flag that had a Confederate flag. It has some similarity. But I think there's a way, again, we can sit down and find a path forward uh, that is not offensive to the minority population. So that's what I'm hoping happens. I would probably lean towards, let's look at the designations of what we have versus just changing it. Okay, Rusty, any last question? No, no, Senator, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you joining us today. Well, I, a pet peeve of mine to be on time, so I apologize again for being late. I, I'm sorry about that. And uh, anyway, no appreciate appreciate you guys. Uh, anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we do? Uh, I think you guys about got it. 
Okay. Well, we appreciate your time. The election is November 3rd, just around the corner. And uh, we appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us and uh, good luck out there campaigning. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye-bye.